You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that air. So today we're going to start off with some question and answer, and um, that's as far as I'm going to go with it, because you just never know. But I know Andy has got a pile of questions that I haven't gotten to, because I typically start with text messages, and when those keep rolling in, and I just keep answering those, and then when they're finally used up, I go over to voicemail, and that's all he does. <laughs> so today is Andy Day, and we'll see how far we get. Andy, thanks for the questions. But anyways, um, the second part of his first question, I have been researching for a long time and considering it has absolutely nothing to do with football, got off to a little bit of a late start because it has to do with uh, watching YouTube videos and stuff and uh, trying to find a clip to use and it's entertaining so I didn't want to stop and I lost a half hour anyways. My bad. But as always, if you have a question yourself, Feel free to drop it in the Facebook group. You got uh, the phone number. You can text or call me. Phone number is in the description. iTunes Watch, we're up to 192. We had a little bit of a jump there. Eight more iTunes reviews. And I'm going to just smack somebody right in the face with that PFF subscription, man. Oh, it's going to be sweet. It is not, however, going to be anticlimactic. It's going to be sweet. Sweet as honey-glazed baby back ribs. So if you wouldn't mind, if you have not done so yet, be sure to head over to Packernet Podcast, colon Green Bay Packers, powered by Overtime Media. Drop that sweet, sweet five-star review. And if you'd like to be entered in, in the last moments, for a PFF Edge subscription, just let me know that you left a five-star review and try to prove it in some kind of way. Not by just finding one on there and saying, oh yeah, this one is me, because that's cheating. Gotta find a different way. We'll get this thing going, man. Anyways, let's take our break and uh, get into some questions. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. 
So in the first voicemail, Andy kind of reiterated his concept of a one-off, but said he's specifically kind of excited to see what kind of an impact Rashawn Gary has on Darnell Savage and his success. And basically, his the, the one-off concept is his way of phrasing the uh, the impact that one player has on another. And it is exciting, and it's part of the reason that I'm excited in general about the defense, because as much as each individual player has some level of excitement to him, I mean, literally pick any player on this defense, and there's some reason to be kind of excited about him. I think Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels, we kind of know who they are, but there's still some room for improvement because of the guys next to him. Right? I mean, if Kenny Clark is going to have a double-digit sack year, this could be the year, or you know, this year, next year, whatever. As much as I don't think he was ever really that kind of a guy, I think there's some potential for that. Uh, Mike D, I think if he's healthy, he's he, he could be a double-digit sack guy for sure. Um, but otherwise, I mean, half the team is brand spanking new. The other half is within their, you know, either their first or second year. So there's that level of excitement. But then there's the other aspect to it, which is how each player impacts each other player. Rashawn Gary affecting Darnell Savage is one specific advan- uh, example. But there's also Savage helping Gary and Savage helping Zadarius and Amos helping Gary and Gary helping King. And that was kind of the reason why I said what I said yesterday about the the mentality, because that's how you take this to the next level. That's how it goes from having a team full of individuals or or a defense like we used to have where you had some good players or, or in some cases a good player, like when it was basically Mike Daniels and that's pretty much it. Then later it was like Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark and that was kind of pretty much it. You know, with some decent play elsewhere. But I think getting to that next level where... You've got several good players, and each player helps to positively impact another player, and that just kind of grows into what you would call a unit. And somebody on Facebook had, had kind of echoed my sentiment of excitement, but saying that his mind doesn't go back to the Steelers and the Ravens. His mind goes back to 49ers Seahawks, and that's absolutely correct. And that's what those u- groups were. They, were. they were units. They worked together in unison. And I've said before on this podcast, one of the best and most amazing things I'd ever seen was that Seattle defense and just the way they played together. I've said consistently, it just felt like it was an unfair advantage. It felt like they were playing with like 16 guys on the field because no matter where you went with the ball, there was already five guys there. And within five seconds, there were six more coming. It was unbelievable. I don't know how many times we've seen with, with, you know, the Packers defense specifically, or, or just in general, other defenses, but the times in which, let's say, you throw a little screen pass and there's one guy there and, you know, I mean, he takes like two, three, four seconds to kind of stop and, and shake him a little bit and he kind of gets past him and then he starts running and it's like, where was everybody else? This play took forever to develop. Like wide receiver screens, first of all, I, I hate them even though they work really well, so I guess I like them. But you've got, the whole defense is just standing there watching. The quarterback has to stop basically turn his whole body, cock his arm, throw it right at the guy. I mean, he's staring right at him, so you know what's coming. The ball has to travel there. He has to catch it. He has to turn his body. It's like how he's not just dead every single time he catches that ball, I don't know. But then he's taking some time to shake the guy, and then he gets down the field. It's like, what is that defense doing, man? I mean, is it just, do they do that just when you're in man coverage and nobody's paying attention? I I don't understand it. But you start seeing that with the Seahawks, and it's like it doesn't matter what the play is, whether it's a screen, whatever, and, and you know maybe with the exception of a deep pass where there's only two or three guys there. 
But anything at or near the line of scrimmage, there's two guys there instantly. And within one second, like if one guy's making a tackle and he's slowly struggling with that tackle, which was rare because they were great at tackling, there would be another one and another one and another one. Every second there was another player coming in to just smoke the guy. Just the speed and the viciousness and the intentionality and the discipline. Like I said, the tackling was incredible. I think the game, I think it was 2014, not positive, but that week one game against Seattle, I should just go back and watch it on on, uh, on Game Pass. I'm pretty sure it's on there. If you have Game Pass, if you don't remember it, you should check it out. But I remember watching that, and I, I actually had a conversation with a friend, and we both said that was maybe the best defensive performance I've ever seen in my life. It wasn't even that the Packers played poorly. It just, I mean, that, that I still vividly remember that. I had never, and, and I remember coming into that, because I believe that was the year after we just got eliminated by Seattle. Then week one, we come back into Seattle, and it's like, oh, man, we're just going to smoke this team. And the Packers were really good that year. Packers ended the year 12-4, and four, despite starting the season 1-2. Uh, and two. But all excited about this, this you know, great Packers team, and it was a great Packers team. They're going to come out, and we're going to get some revenge on the Seahawks. It's going to be lost 36-16. to 16. I mean, just looking at some of the offensive scores that year, 31, I mean, of the victories, 31, 38, 42, 27, 38, 55, 53, 24, 26, 43, 20, and 30. Scored 16 points, and as a matter of fact, every single loss, with the exception of New Orleans, where we scored 23, which is still really low, but every loss was under 20, 16, 7, and 13, because that was back when we lived and died by offense, but still, that, that defense was just ridiculous. I don't think they missed a single tackle, and it just, again, they felt like there were 16 guys on the field. And it, it, bottom line is, I, I want to see that from the defense. That's sort of that next level where everybody helps to impact everybody else. You know, just just think about, for for example, we talk about, okay, so, you know, Mike Daniels is going to be helped by Kenny Clark. So Mike Daniels is already good, but he gets a, a, a bonus from Kenny Clark. He gets a bonus from Zadarius Smith. He gets a bonus from Rashawn Gary. He's getting a bonus from the secondary who's able to, I mean, it's, it's just everybody is getting like these these plus one bonuses because of everybody else. And if we really just want to give a, a more recent example, as much as, you know, maybe it's not an example I appreciate very much, but it's the Bears last year. I've been saying it for I don't know how long. You got a bunch of guys that aren't as good as they played playing out of their minds. Why? Well, because of everybody else around them. I'm not saying they're bad. Kyle Fuller, I think, is a really good corner. But he really reached his full, full potential. And I, I I shouldn't even say they all exceeded their own potential because of everybody else. It's like extra credit. They all played 110% of their 100% potential. Not all, but several of them. Which, again, is why I say I expect regression for some of them. Maybe not Kyle Fuller, but Prince of Mukamura, I do. I think Akeem Hicks could come down. I think uh, uh, their safety, Jackson, I think is going to come to earth a little bit. I don't expect a full collapse because most of those guys are still there and they're still talented by themselves. And as much as Vic Fangio built that, it's still good players helping to benefit good players. But that's essentially what we're looking for. We need 100% of their total 100% potential. We need the discipline to be there because, you know, you can be as talented as you want to be, but if you can't tackle a guy right in front of you, we're in trouble. I've seen several times, you know, especially when you're watching college film or whatever, it's super frustrating when somebody's a great pass rusher and they, like, you know, fly right past somebody and then they miss a tackle on the quarterback. It's like, come on, man. How does such an amazing play end with you being trash? Right? There's that, and then if you get it from the group as a whole, which really, I think that comes to the next level. There was a, 
something. I don't even know what the situation. It's one of those things that was blowing up on Twitter, but I didn't really care enough to pay attention. But I saw a little snippet of the, uh, I think it was the Jets defensive coordinator talking about how something about he's screaming at his guys, and it's it's basically just nonsense. He's just doing it to try to get them used to being screamed at or loud noises or whatever. I don't know. But he followed that up with saying something that I thought was a little strange because it felt like he was saying he wasn't a very good defensive coordinator. But he said, the reason I keep getting hired is because of culture, because he's a culture guy. He doesn't necessarily come in as a scheme guy, which I think is what Mike Pettin's thing is. He's a culture builder. And I think that's sort of that next step. And I don't know if we're going to get there. I just, I want us to get there because I think we're finally at a point where we have the talent. And I'm not talking about elite talent. I've never said we have elite talent on this team, with the exception of Kenny Clark. I've, I don't think I've ever said that. I don't think Zadarius is elite. I don't think Preston is elite. I don't think Rashawn, I mean, he could be, but I, I've never said I expect him to be elite. I have no expectations of elite anywhere, but I have, I, I think the defense is to a point where it's good enough everywhere, where it's good. The, the defensive line and the defensive front and the linebackers and the corners and the safeties, it's good. And the next step is that culture step. It's, it's turning them into animals. It's making them dogs, right? Get them comfortable. Get them to the point where they're not thinking so much. They're just reacting, which hopefully several, several guys can be there. And that's a process for everybody. You're always going to have young guys and rookies and everything else. But once these guys can play, it's just about mentality. It's just about attitude. That's the last step. And once you got that, you, you've, just, you've got yourself a top five defense. So yeah, for what Andy's talking about, and that's one specific example, but it's it's just everybody impacts everybody, and that needs to happen. I shouldn't even say it needs to. That will happen if, if everybody is performing at a high level. And again, the next step is its culture. And and the good thing is we saw last year how much Gutekunst believes in culture because everybody that was a detractor for the locker room was gone because he understands that's a hindrance. You need to have that locker room in order. And it's true for offense as well. I just, I really think that's big for the defense. I mean, we know it's big for, we, we've seen it. It was part of the reason I said, you know, it, I'm tired of the pouting. Because you you could feel that the, the, the game was going to go in the tank when Aaron Rodgers would trot out first play of the game, right? 15 minutes left in the first quarter. Well, not quite because of the kickoff, I guess. Roughly 15 minutes left in the first quarter. Aaron Rodgers throws one pass. The wide receiver wasn't where he needed to be. He just stands there and looks like, I hate all of you. He's shaking his head. He has this kind of, like, I'm tired of being surrounded by dummies. I'm tired of being the only one that knows what's going on in this room. My coach is dumb. My wide receivers are dumb. I got offensive linemen that can't block. I mean, I, I just, I hate my life. I want to go back to my my loft and just eat Cheetos with the Dalai Lama, man. I, I don't want to do this. And by the way, if Aaron Rodgers wants to take a step in being a leader, he has to embrace this culture thing. And that means kind of being a little fake sometimes. I know that's not his thing. That would not be my thing either. But look, it's up to you. You're super competitive, right? We know that. You want to win. You want to be great. And I think he looks at it from the same standpoint that I tend to look at it a lot, which is we can all be great if we can all just do what we're supposed to do. Right? You run the right route and be in the right place. I throw the ball in the right area. You catch the ball and do what you're supposed to do after the catch. Guess what? That's what a good play is called. It's not about emotion. It's about doing the right thing. But that's not that's not true. It's not. And as much as, you know, more intellectual people look at it as being black and white and, and numeric and it's not about emotion, it's about math, it's about geometry, it's about, you know, this and that. Just do what you're told, shut up and do your job. 
there is an emotional component to it. Like I've said before, there's a reason when you go to the gym, you play loud music. And I'd be willing to bet any amount of money if you did a study of somebody with music and then you take their music away and tell them to work out, the workout is going to be significantly less intense. Why? Because that, that music, and it's the same reason why football players listen to music before games. It does something to you. It puts you in a different place. And maybe Aaron Rodgers has no need or desire for a rah-rah speech. He just he's, he's beyond that, above that, beneath that, whatever you want to call it. But again, this isn't about you. This is about the locker room. This is about the team. And again, if you want to be ultra-competitive, just just go lie. Go be fake. Go get people hyped up. You know, I, 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 I'm not trying to dog Aaron Rodgers. I think he's a great quarterback, and I understand the mentality of I'm too old for this nonsense, and I just expect perfection. But it is hard to watch that because everybody feeds off Aaron Rodgers. And when his demeanor just drops within literally three seconds of the game just starting, the game is already over, and we know it because we're feeding off Aaron Rodgers. His energy is negative. Our energy drops. The team's energy drops. McCarthy's already just checked out. It matters. And then you watch, for example, guys like Russell Wilson. You watch some of these other guys, especially younger guys, right? They've, they've got this super high energy. They're trying to really be the leader and all that. And Aaron Rodgers just doesn't care. I don't think he ever really has. I don't think he came in and was trying to be all rah-rah. But what I'm saying is as he's trying to understand and embrace his role as a leader as much as he hates it, that needs to be a big part of, of his his thing as well. And And, and Somebody on the defense also needs to take the mantle, and that's going to be kind of tough. You know, a guy like Zadarius or something needs to understand that the young guys are looking up to you, and even though maybe you're a little bit more laid back, and, and you know, I'm sure some of the hype is going to be, it's just going to run on its own. You know, guys like Jair don't really need approval from you to be like, okay, now you can get excited. There still needs to be some kind of a leadership and some kind of a general direction and some kind of a general original power source you know prior to the game what is the mentality you know make sure everybody's focused make sure everybody's fired up make sure everybody understands the stakes you know be there if somebody makes a mistake to make sure that they're still in the right place like hey don't get checked out we need you get fired up you know understand specific people's mentality some people you you scold them they break some people need that i i played football one year in my life it was in middle school I played on the worst team in the history of the world. We didn't win a single game. Our coaches were garbage. I mean, we weren't great either, but our coaches were really bad. As an example, my best friend, he had asthma. They never let him play. For one pl- for one series, and this was against Elgin down in Illinois, For exa- we, we had like t- maybe 30 people on the football team. They had about 106, so they're rotating people out constantly. And also, you know, Elgin's one of those schools, like one of you guys is going to the NFL. That's It's one of those kind of schools. Like, just everybody's super big, super fast, and, and we're just a bunch of dummies in the suburbs, don't know what we're doing. But they decide, okay, he gets to come out with me, I'm feeding off of him, he's feeding off of me, and literally for an entire series, they didn't gain a single yard, and we were just getting all hyped up and everything, it mattered. But they decided they knew better, and by the way, I was complete trash. I didn't like it, I didn't like the fact that I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I didn't know how to tackle properly. I, it didn't make sense to me. They didn't really feel like teaching that to me. I like to tackle up high. They were like, no, you got to get low. So I'm like crouching down low. And I'm like, okay, now what do I do? And they're like, all right, well, now you tackle. It's like, well, how do I generate power when I'm like squatting? This doesn't make any sense. But anyways, at one point, because I was tall and big and all that stuff in middle school, they just assumed I was going to be good and nobody ever ran at me on the defensive line. Well, one school decided, hey, why don't you run at that big guy and see what happens? Well, he just kept running right past me. 
Coach decided to start screaming at me. You let him pass you one more time. A couple colorful words. You're not going to play anymore, etc., etc. So not knowing how to tackle, I was like, all right, well, I got to do something. Because this is embarrassing. Because this is like the one game my family came to see. And the coach is calling me out for being terrible. Which is also horrible because now everybody realizes I'm terrible. Nobody knew up until this point. So the guy runs right at me again. I jump up, grab him in a headlock, and just tackle him to the ground by his head. And I was like, I know that's not what you're supposed to do. But I also know that that was the best I could come up with, and I brought him to the ground. But the point is, I needed to be screamed at. Because until then, I was, cap- I, was, I was just the guy that was like, please just don't run at me. I just don't want to have to contribute. I don't like this. I wanted to play football until you got into football, and it was just not very fun anymore. I like backyard football. But that's the point, right? Some people, you got to scream at them. Some people this, some people that. Sometimes it's the people that are around you. There's just different dynamics on a football team. And you have to play to that. I wish you didn't have to, but you have to. But as far as the defense, Mike Pettin has to understand that, embrace that, and try to implement a culture on the offense. Aaron Rodgers and LaFleur and these guys, especially Rodgers, need to understand that and embrace that. Anyways, the second part of Andy's question is if I am Bat Dad. When he said that, I just about spit my coffee everywhere. I don't have any idea where that comes from. But apparently, he says my delivery and everything kind of sounds like Bat Dad. If you don't know who he is, I was going to grab a clip, but most of it you need a visual. Just go Google the guy. He's a complete goof. Basically, he wears a Batman mask and screams at his family. And I don't really like it as much anymore because it's all obviously all staged. It's not nearly as funny as when I thought it was you know, genuinely not staged, like his first five videos. But yeah, he's, he's, bottom line, no, I'm not bad dad. And I really don't know whether I should be, you know, happy that you think that or offended that you think that, but I'm not. I wish I was because dude's got a nice house. I keep thinking to myself when I'm watching those videos, what in the world is this goof doing to make that much money? And then I realize it's probably his wife, Jen, that makes money and he stays home as Batman. But anyways, let's take a break and uh, get back into Andy's second... It's not really a question, it's more of a a thought, but I'll give my thought on his thoughts. So essentially switching gears here, um, Andy was commenting on how a lot of Packer fans want to say that uh, the Packers have wasted Aaron Rodgers' years, and kind of goes on to explain that if you look back at when Brett Favre joined the Green Bay Packers, and look at how many teams won multiple Super Bowls, there's only seven that have won more than one Super Bowl. And he goes on to further explain things like, you know, if you look at the Cowboys, they won three, but they were all before Brett Favre even won his Super Bowl. Long story short, winning a Super Bowl is nearly impossible. If you just think about it from a mathematical standpoint, just all things being equal, what are your odds of winning a Super Bowl? One in 32. So all things being equal, how many years are going to pass before you win a Super Bowl? You're going to win one once every 32 years. If you're beating that number, you're doing better than expected. Now, things are not all equal, and you've got really, uh, you know, a couple really good quarterbacks, so it is frustrating when you are above average and you expect to win more Super Bowls but don't. But beyond that, he kind of goes on to talk about there's only... Essentially what people want is they, they expect the Packers to be the Patriots, but we can't be the Patriots because the Patriots are the Patriots, right? This is sort of the Patriots era, and it's lasting for like 20 years. And I think that's part of the reason everybody hates the Patriots, because it's like enough is enough already. But really, if you think about it, there's so many teams and, and quarterbacks and everything else that are deserving of Super Bowls that don't win them. Sometimes they lose to teams that are not even that good. 
you look at, you know, I shouldn't say teams as a whole necessarily because by the time they win the Super Bowl, they were at least good in the postseason like the Giants and the, the Ravens or whatever. But you look at some of the teams that didn't win in those years. You look at the quarterbacks, you know, Aaron Rodgers lost those years. He lost to the Giants and Eli Manning. How embarrassing is that? You know, Joe Flacco is holding the, the uh, Lombardi Trophy over his head over how many great quarterbacks. Every single year, there's, you know, probably, what, 10 teams that are capable of winning a Super Bowl? Five teams that are probably like borderline, you know, you could, you could call them like elite, very, very good teams. Uh, you know, maybe three or four that are just absolutely robbed. They, you know, they quote unquote should have won, even though that's an impossibility because only one can. You know, I mean, just just look back at 2018. What, you know, for, for the Chiefs, was that a waste of Pat Mahomes' year? If you look at the Colts and, and Andrew Luck, is, is it is his years being wasted? I mean, it, you could say that considering they have not put a lot of talent around him. But he had a great team last year. I don't think it's about waste, necessarily. It's just about didn't work out. I mean, it, it's, it's, it, it goes beyond being good. It goes beyond even being great. I mean, by the time you get into the playoffs, it's nothing but great. It's, it's just kind of a, a toss-up. That's why they kind of segment things. There's the, the regular season, and at that point, the goal is we just got to get in. Once you get in, then, then it really starts. And your odds are way stacked against you. You got to beat the best of the best, and then at the end of the day, you got to beat a team probably like the Patriots, and the Patriots are better than you. It's a near impossible uphill climb that only one out of 32 teams is going to be able to do. I will say, though, on the other side of it, that doesn't completely dismiss the poor job that has been done in some areas around Aaron Rodgers. Sometimes maybe that's a little bit overblown. I like the draft and develop philosophy. I think Ted Thompson just took it a little bit too far. But yeah, you look at the bad drafts, you look at all these different things. I mean, even Aaron Rodgers' injury was a waste of one of his years. But I, I don't know that that's, that's a necessarily unique thing. Most teams have pretty bad drafts most years. There's maybe one team that has a great draft per year, right? Like a transformational draft. The Colts last year, the Saints the year before that, where it's like we've hit on multiple, you know, spots. Otherwise, you, you maybe hit on one or two. You get a couple contributors here and there that kind of stick around for a while until you can find a replacement. Maybe maybe they stick around for a long time because you either don't address the position or you just keep failing to address the position. But despite the frustration and despite the fact that it is upsetting that we don't have more championships and we, we don't get to you know, win multiple like the Patriots or have another dynasty, and, and yeah, it's scary because you realize Aaron Rodgers' years are coming to a close We've, we've had, and if you go back to, to Brett Favre, we had great opportunities over the last, geez, I don't know, I mean, we're going on like 30 years to, to really just dominate with some great football teams and just to not have the actual championships to show for it. And the fear is when Aaron Rodgers is gone, it's very possible we can go into a you know, 5, 10, 20-year slump. You just never know. And we, we technically could be in that slump now. I don't know. We, we haven't been a good team since, I mean, it's been a while. Maybe what 2016, and we're already in you know fire everybody and, and start over mode, and you know we're we're trying to hope and assume that everything's going to be better, but we don't really know. But but the fear is real. I think we just need to keep it in its proper context. It's it's upsetting that we couldn't have maximized um, and gotten more championships. It's upsetting that you know especially toward the end of certain certain years we didn't add some pieces or draft better. I think draft better is more important. Um, I think we get a little too carried away with free agency. You know, you should have been more aggressive. I don't think too many people 
you know, we can look retroactively, but I think if a lot of fans had their way and, and were the GM and just got to pick whoever they wanted, they would have picked some pretty bad decisions. And we would it would have hurt the salary cap. It would have hurt our team. We would have had to cut good players because you went out and overpaid for garbage players that you thought were good because they were good on some other team to come here and they're trash. We see that every year. Hopefully we don't see that with the Packers this year. It's easier said than done. Right? It's easy to say, well, we didn't do anything, and if we would have done what that team did and got those two players who panned out, we would have been better, which is true, but you're choosing not to look at the other 10 teams who went out and overpaid for guys that are not producing. So I think it's fair to say that the Packers could have done better over the last several years, but I, I, I think we overstate the case that the Packers are uniquely bad in this area, that you know, any if Aaron Rodgers was on another team, they would have won a billion soup. No, man. No, you know, Peyton Manning was a great quarterback. He didn't win very many Super Bowls. Andrew Luck, you know, I mean, Russell Wilson, I mean, they should have won more Super Bowls in their window. Everybody should, but they also shouldn't because you look at the rest of the landscape. But I think we sort of oversimplify everything. And I, I don't think we should also say, I mean, if, if you want to say we wasted some of these years because we didn't do good enough and we, we should have had some, at least opportunities, I think is, is the better way to say it. We should have been in a better situation to make a run at a Super Bowl. To say we should have had more Super Bowls, I think, is ridiculous. Even if, if, if we had drafted a little better and even if, you know, we had gotten like one or two better free agents here and there, it doesn't guarantee any championships. It just means you're going to be a little bit better, but I mean, we still could have gotten knocked out in, the, in the, the wild card, for all we know. There's still 31 other teams, and you've got these teams that are just, you know, every year, even if it's short-lived, you know, one of the great things about the Packers is how long things, uh, how long they've been a good team. But I think part of that longevity is not being overly aggressive. Other teams are overly aggressive. They go in real hard, and then they fall off. Pick your poison. Do you want to have a four-year window to try to win a Super Bowl, or do you want to have a 30-year window to try to win a couple Super Bowls? I think a lot of fans, especially ones who say this kind of stuff, and again, I'm agreeing with you that we should have done better in certain areas, especially over the last couple years, but I think if a lot of fans had their way, they would be like a lot of teams that go in super hard, they miss the Super Bowl, and then they collapse. So you had you know, a, a three- to five-year window of being pretty good and having a chance, and then you're garbage. I mean, we might be seeing that in the NFC North, right? The Vikings, I mean, how long was it? They had a, what, a one-year window? I mean, we'll see if they bounce back, but if they don't, that is horrible. I mean, you want to talk about missed opportunities. I don't think Packers fans have any reason to complain. You know, we'll see how long the Bears, things la Bears thing lasts. You know, the Eagles had a window. It seems like it's already closing. The Seahawks had a great team. That's closing because, you know, their GM couldn't keep it up. And it, granted, it's impossible to keep that good of a team together, but, I mean, there was some really bad drafting involved. I mean, basically nobody has been replaced. And it's just year over year they're just losing talent. You know, San Francisco, that team was great for a, a small window and fell apart. Most teams just just, just barely get a flicker, barely get a, a, a shot. And, and I think Ted Thompson did a fantastic job, and, and GMs and, and leadership before him also, of just giving them an opportunity making them good enough, which, granted, 75% of that is the quarterback anyways, the quarterback and the coach, and then the rest is you just trying to plug in good pieces. But even that, we can't get too hard on him. I mean, my, my goodness, look at the, the group that he had to throw to. Have you ever seen a better wide receiver group in your life? Has there ever been that good of a wide receiver group than, you know, Jennings, Jones, Driver, Cobb, and Jordy? Have you ever seen a group of five in which the fifth best guy could probably go to another team and be a number one wide receiver? 
I don't know if that'll ever be a thing. And that doesn't even include Jermichael Finley. It wasn't perfect, but no team is perfect. It's about doing the best you can, giving the team an opportunity, and then once they get in the playoffs, then it's kind of up to the players and the coaches. And, and the, the, the sad thing is that's usually when it fell apart. It's about that mentality that I'm talking about. It's about having that sort of, you know, this is when we rise to the occasion. For the Packers, unfortunately, this is when they folded. When other teams dug even deeper because they're in the playoffs and we're going to play harder now. I mean, we saw it the year the Packers won the Super Bowl. The defense just went out of their minds. I mean, guys that we had never even heard of before are coming up and winning games. You know, guys who are coming in to replace injured players are coming in and dominating. But over the next several years, despite being good enough to get into the playoffs, we saw a team, specifically the defense, that just completely imploded when the stakes were highest. While other teams are digging deep and their offenses are are going to that next level and their defenses are going to that next level, despite Aaron Rodgers playing hard, the offense playing hard, you know, just there was too much of a collapse. People were just done. They were gassed. They had nothing left. And that happens. Again, it's, it's, it's coming from a very, you know, from a football fan standpoint, a privileged standpoint to complain about the success that the Packers have had because almost every single team, with the exception of a couple, would love to have had anything near the experiences that we've had as Packer fans. Again, I'm, I'm about to turn 33. My entire existence has basically been Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. That's basically all I've ever known. I know there was a little bit of Don Mikowski and I, you know, little flickers of memories of pre-Farve, but not much. I've never really known a team that is the Packers that is... I mean, to be honest, the, the way that the Packers are being treated by the national media now is almost offensive and hurtful, even though most people acknowledge they're a good football team. But nobody's talking about us. Nobody's talking about our quarterback, which, I mean, even, again, going back to the Brett Favre days, I mean, that was still a big thing. Even when Brett Favre was tailing off, he was still the center of the news cycle. Aaron Rodgers has always been the center. I mean, when you talk quarterbacks, you got to talk Rodgers. And now I listen to podcasts, and when 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 it's a quarterback specific thing, nobody even mentions Aaron Rodgers because they just don't care anymore. There's all these young, exciting guys, you know. And there has been a flood over the last two to three years of just guys that are not only a lot of quarterbacks, but guys that are hitting and and starting and starting consistently and playing kind of well. And then there's question marks. You got Darnold. You got all these other guys that are coming in. What are they going to do? And our expectations of them. And, and Rodgers just gets kind of buried. I'm not used to this. I'm not used to the Packers. You know, when we, and it, it's almost it's almost the worst case scenario because nobody's even saying the Packers are bad. And almost like that would be better because at least first of all they're talking about. It. Second of all, we can prove them wrong. It's this really uncomfortable zone where when when you kind of like bring up, well, what about the Packers? People are like, oh yeah, they're they're, they're fine. What do you mean they're fine? Have you seen this team? Look at them. Look how good they are. Aaron Rodgers? Come on, man. Devontae? You know of a better left tackle than Bakhtiari? Have you seen Aaron Jones? Why is nobody talking about Aaron Jones? What about this defense? This defense is going to be good, man. Oh, yeah. No, no. They're fine. Probably not even going to win the NFC North, but, you know, they might sneak into the playoffs a while. Anyways, we're going to go talk about Pat Mahomes again for the next six hours. I know he's an exciting guy, but I cannot wait for this guy to implode. Jeez, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that. It's just uh, l- look. The bottom line is w- with Pat Mahomes. Why are we getting excited about guys after one? Ha- have we not learned that one year doesn't teach us anything? I know he's kind of above and beyond, and he did some like no look passes, and he also threw a ton of interceptions that no one wants to talk about. But I mean, the fact I don't know. Maybe it's just because it's the off season and everyone's bored. But we really want to put Matt- Pat Mahomes as maybe the best quarterback in the NFL. 
I mean, he was last year, but we're talking about, like, just in general. How do you know what Pat Mahomes is? Because one year in which he had a bunch of crazy weapons, you know, I mean, Tyreek Hill, incredibly underrated. Not even sure he's going to be playing this year. He probably is at this point because the charges are dropped and we'll see what the NFL is going to do and all that stuff. I'm sure the Chiefs are going to let him play because, I mean, again, some people out there believe that he is sort of the next, you know, I don't know, Terrell Owens type, you know? But it's, I don't know. I guess the, the general media cycle is just obnoxious. And I, I, I'm not going to do it because I don't have time, but I wish I had my own NFL podcast. Because I'm so tired of listening to the same garbage over and over. I mean, even the Colts. Nobody's talking about the Colts. Give me the Colts over the Chiefs. Chiefs, they don't have a defense. They've got a quarterback that has been consistently good since forever. And everybody acts like, oh, Andrew Luck's kind of good again. He's never not good. He was injured for I don't know how many years. He had a garbage wide receiver group, a garbage defense, a garbage offensive line. He's always been good. Where have you been? I'll take the Colts and Andrew Luck over the Chiefs and Pat Mahomes any day of the week. And yes, I will take the Packers over the Chiefs because I know what Aaron Rodgers is. I don't know what Pat Mahomes is. I know who our running back is going to be and and our number one wide receiver is going to be. Don't really know that situation over there. I like our defense better than I like their defense. Best of luck winning a Super Bowl if you don't have a defense. Everybody already knows that, but we all pretend we don't know that when we talk about the Chiefs because the Chiefs are Super Bowl bound. Get out of my face. Anyways, nobody talks about the Packers anymore. And that's unfortunate. But the point of that is, I'm not used to that. You're not used to that. None of us are used to that because we've been successful. We cannot just, I mean, I know Super Bowls are what it's all about, but you can't look back over the 30 years and just look at Super Bowls. I mean, if you do that, we're, we're, you know, you're basically doing what the Bears fans always do, where they're like, oh, wow, you've won one more Super Bowl than us. That is kind of a terrible summary of the last 30 years, I'm going to be honest. Like, how, how would you compare the Packers over the last 30 years and the Bears over the last 30 years? And by the way, you got to go back more than 30 years, but, you know, we'll go back to however long it was when they won the Super Bowl, 33 and a half years or whatever. But, but if you're just looking at Super Bowls, then yeah, I mean, the, the Packers are barely better than the Bears. But that's not the story. The Packers have dominated the Bears over the last 30 years. They haven't even been close. I mean, my entire, you know school life in Illinois was basically me just strutting around in my Packers jacket and my Packers backpack, like just feeling all confident because the Packers are better and everybody knew it. Packers were dominant. The Packers were Super Bowl bound. And that, that has to stand for something. If football to you is nothing but Super Bowls, it's going to be really not enjoyable. And granted that, again, that is what it's all about. And that is the ultimate goal. And missing out on that is ultimately a failure. But come on, man, we had some good times. I think the point is you got to find enjoyment elsewhere, and I'm 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 getting better at that. I'm I'm getting better not just at enjoying little moments, but even like on the downswing when things are not good. I enjoy looking at the climb up. I enjoy you know embracing the draft. Like when things are bad, we get to draft higher, so then we get a better prospect. And you know what can we do, and how do we maneuver, and how do our other teams doing it, and studying it, and finding enjoyment in in every aspect of football in general. If we're just going to look at Super Bowls, it's a miserable... I, my best friend that I was just talking about is a Bears fan. He basically abandoned the Bears a long time ago, became a Broncos fan. I, to this day, believe it was because the Broncos beat the Packers in the Super Bowl, but I don't think he's ever admitted that. But he has basically sworn off football. Granted, he loved it when the Broncos won the Super Bowl. It was a huge thing for him. But he's sworn it off because he's very Super Bowl or nothing. Patriots keep winning. 
He's he's just he's done with it. He he can't find enjoyment in the NFL as a whole. And granted, there's a lot the NFL as a whole does that just makes me not want to watch football either. But getting beyond that, I I just think it's a fun game, and especially when you can broaden it out. And even now, I, I'm I'm looking at it. And I can sort of, to a point, disconnect as a fan and analyze the Bears and kind of get excited about, okay, how do we maintain this? How do we grow this? How do we do this or that? Or, you know, looking at the Vikings and, like, how do we stop the bleeding? And that's why I look at it and I say, I don't think I'm being biased when I say that. I'm just thinking if I'm a fan, that's what I'm looking at. I don't want to do, you know, I don't want to basically fast forward what the Seahawks did. It was like we had one good year and already we're in this downward slide and we're trying to stop it. You know, you look at the Lions and their challenges, and it's it's kind of interesting because they've got a unique challenge of overcoming just this DNA of failure. You know, it was funny because I've been talking about how I'm not counting them out because, you know, they, they've got opportunities, and now I'm not as high on them. But I'm, I'm still probably higher than most people. But there was at one point somebody mentioned that on some show. It was all over Twitter. I don't know. And somebody else just kind of gave them a look like, dude, you're dumb. The Lions are garbage, and I know that because they've always been garbage. And everybody laughed and retweeted it, and people, some people threw it in my face like, ah, ha, ha, ha. See, they're garbage. But there's some truth to that. There, there's an element of just, you, I don't know how you get over that. When you're a team that even when you're good, you, you're terrible, what do you do about that? I don't know. But it's interesting. So I, I, I guess I just don't like when people say that stuff. Oh, we've wasted all these years. I don't know. I wish we would have won more Super Bowls, but I, I think Super Bowls are just a, I don't know, it, it, it's, a, it's a fleeting thing. There, there's no way you can do anything to guarantee you should have won a Super Bowl. There's nothing Ted Thompson could have done in a given year that would have guaranteed any Super Bowls. There's nothing we could even go back in time and say, even if we knew who the best free agents were, we knew the salary cap situation, all that stuff. You cannot go back in time and draft certain players and, and get certain free agents and guarantee that you're, you're going to win a Super Bowl. You just don't know what's going to happen. Again, that's part of what makes football exciting. I wish we would have won more Super Bowls. I hope against hope because Aaron Rodgers does deserve more Super Bowls, but there's no guarantees. Even if this defense is awesome, even if LaFleur does a great job, there's no guarantee there will ever be another Super Bowl for the Green Bay Packers as long as Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback. There is no guarantee because being good and winning Super Bowls are different things. And we, again, I know that because every year good teams lose the Super Bowl. Good teams don't even make it to the Super Bowl. Good teams can get into the playoffs, but once you're in, there's just no guarantees anymore. It's all out the window. You, you just, it's a different game. But that's also part of what makes winning the Super Bowl so special. It's such a rare and unique and just incredibly impossible thing. And there, there was a, you know, all these videos going around about the St. Louis Blues winning the Stanley Cup. It's their first ever. And you look at how special that is. And I guess I just don't like the mentality, even though I understand it, I don't like the entitled mentality we have of, we should have more, we should have three or four or five, we should be the Patriots. Like, come on, man. There's teams trying to figure out how to get their first ever. We have teams in our own division that have never won a Super Bowl. And look, the Vikings have had some really, really good teams over the years. The, the Lions have had some pretty good teams over the years. I remember back in the Brett Favre days, when we'd get into the playoffs and the Lions were a problem. You know, back in the Barry Sanders era or whatever, it was kind of like they, they were one of the hurdles, right? You, you, the Lions were a team and the 49ers were a team. The Cowboys obviously were a big team, right? Those were all hurdles. But I remember the Lions kind of being a scary team at that time. Maybe it was a small window. I don't exactly remember, but they've had good teams. The Bears have had good teams, you know, maybe like two or three or whatever over the last 30 years. And they didn't win, including the year in which we knocked them out, including last year. 
They were they they had what it took to want to win. They couldn't do it though. And we can you know do an autopsy on all these things and try to figure out what happened and how we could have done better. And it's just it's it's beyond that, man. It, it just didn't happen. That's it. You got beat. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Did did the Eagles beat the Bears because the Eagles are necessarily a better team? Not really. They definitely didn't have as good of a defense. Just didn't happen. Can't really explain it beyond that. I mean, talent-wise, the Patriots are not even the best team. I think you could say that on several of their Super Bowls. They weren't the best team over the course of the year. I just think they're good at playoffing and Super Bowling. I want to go Super Bowling. That sounds fun. I don't know what it would be, but it sounds incredible. But again, to summarize, we we could have done things better to give us an opportunity to get in the playoffs, and I'm a little upset about that. But I think Ted Thompson has done a great job of stocking this team with talent over the course of his entire career, maybe not the last couple years. But he's kept this team stocked to the point where they get into the playoffs, and at that point, the Packers couldn't quite get there. We've got new leadership. We've got new coaching. I think they've done a good job, again, of, of trying to stock this team. Hopefully it pans out. There are no guarantees. Even if we have the number one defense in the number one offense, which is impossible, and of course, if that is the case, probably a fairly good shot we win the Super Bowl. But there's still no guarantee. Because even though you're the number one offense and defense overall for the season— in that game, the you know whatever NFC Championship game, are you going to have the best defense on that day? Are you going to have the best offense on that day? Maybe not. On that day, maybe the offense collapses. On that day, maybe the defense can't get their stuff together. On that day, maybe the opponent's coach has got a game plan that's going to shut you down. I don't know. How do the Patriots make the the Rams look like chumps? Are the Rams that bad? No, man. The Patriots just figured them out. Bill Belichick understood the Rams inside and out. You know, McVeigh not having been there before, decided we're going to come out and just be us, and that was perfect for the Patriots because the Patriots are like, oh, we understand us. We know who us is. We know how to stop us, us being them. So it, it just, it is what it is. It, bottom line is you got to enjoy the ride. Even the Patriots, who obviously are going to be favorites to win the Super Bowl again, and if you're betting against them, it's it's somewhat foolish in terms of if you have to pick a team just because the odds are pretty heavily in their favor. But even even then, what are the odds they win? It's pretty low. Even the the best team in the NFL, even the most favored team, is low because it's just it's it's not even a really a statistical thing. So, but that that that's why we're here, and I think most people listening to this understand that because you're listening to a podcast in the off season. You have to have found joy in football outside of the Super Bowl to be listening to a podcast on June 14th. And again, just remember that the next time we win a Super Bowl, it's going to make it more special. I mean, that that's one of the negative things for Patriots fans, and it was a, a bad thing for the the. Packers for a while to where you just have expectations when you're the best team in the NFL which the Packers were for a good number of years at least whether they were the top or the top two or top three or whatever the expectation is a win and if we don't get a win it's just crushing and it got to the point where a win didn't even feel good it was just a relief like oh good we didn't lose the Packers will win another Super Bowl hoping it's in my lifetime but they will win another Super Bowl, hopefully several over my lifetime. The good news is it's going to be very, very, very enjoyable because we've been through all the peaks and all the valleys and we've had all the crushing defeats like against Seattle, like against Arizona, all these horrible things that have happened, all the controversy, all the work that we've put in over the years, all the hope that we've had for certain people that didn't pan out, all, all the, you know, again, the ups and the downs, it's all going to come together into this one moment when the Packers win the Super Bowl and it's going to make it all that much more special. Don't get all hung up on we wasted Aaron Rodgers' career. It just is what it is, man. It's just football. Failure is what almost everyone does. 
And if you can avoid it for a couple years, you got a shot. I think Ted Thompson did a pretty good job of avoiding failure for most of his career. Hopefully, Gutekunst can manage it. But anyways, I didn't even get through all of Andy's things. He's got one more left, but I'm going to cut it there at at, uh, whatever time we're at. But anyways, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.